podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is okay. Finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs, and Kane's not afraid to shoot! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it, wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run! Yemin Son, from inside his own half, has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Touchline Hotspur. Uh, we've got a really good, really good show today, and a few special guests as well. Um, you know what, let me introduce, let me introduce the special guests first. So we've got... Um, Hogan with us uh, today. How you doing, Hogan? How you feeling? I'm good, man. Nice to be here. Looking forward to the show. Um, I'm glad it's tonight and not missing the Man United game yesterday. So, <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself for people who may not have heard about you? Yeah, so I used to play. I would. I was at, um, started off at West Ham, moved to Queen's Park Rangers, did six and a half years there, which was a great time. Um, went on loan to a few different clubs as well, Leeds, Colchester, um, Toronto, Bristol City, quite a few different clubs. Wow. Then finished up at Wickham as well. Um, so yeah, got quite a bit of experience in the game and see what you guys are saying tonight. Good, 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 good to have you. And our second special guest as well, uh, Marcus, how you doing? You with us? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, bro. Yeah, really good. Good, good, good. And can you tell us a little yeah, bit about your... Yeah, you can't hear me? Uh, no, no, we hear you, we hear you, we hear you. The thing is, I can hear you lot, man. We hear you, bro. Just your image throws... Yeah, process. so professional football... Oh, okay, no worries, cool. A professional footballer retired a couple of years ago. Actually played with um, Hogan at Wickham. Um, that was uh, my last club as well. Uh, played for QPR, Brentford, Swansea, Blackpool. So I've been... Been around, as they say, um, and yeah, it's looking forward to talking football today with you guys, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And then we've also got uh, two regulars here as well. Uh, Tops, how you doing today, man? Yeah, good, bro. Um, I ha- I'm having to support the hospital scrubs as I do this podcast from the uh, the on call room. So, but I'm doing all right, man. I thought I'd 
definitely get myself involved for tonight, especially with these two guests and the upcoming FA Cup game. So, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. No, I respect it. I respect it, man. Up front, front line. And all hail. How are you doing there, man? I'm good, bro. I've been on for a minute. Uh, yeah, tough, tough. I've, got, I've got exams coming up my ass, left, right, and centre. I've got another one tomorrow morning, actually. But, yeah, now buzzing to be on tonight. Obviously, I haven't seen Marcus and Hogan for, like, six years. So, yeah, man, excited to get a pop in. Nice, nice, nice. Everyone, make sure you tell your friends to get involved. Tell them to lock in now. Uh, tweet out the live links to your friends as well. This podcast, this episode is brought to you by Fanslide. It's the world's first live in-play fantasy football game. Let's you play against your mates. Um, Ohio, I know you've been getting into Fanslide recently. Um, tell yeah. us a bit about your experience, man. Bro, with Fanslide, yeah, it's like it's it's slightly different to FPL because it's live in it. You sort of do feel a little bit like a manager. Like you're trying to, you're trying to, what word am I looking for? Have a bit of foresight into the game. And sometimes it comes off. You like you start to check the game and like, okay, like this person's picking up a couple of points for some tackles, some interceptions, etc. Like, so I, tra- I think the last time I tried to play it, I said, oh, let me just get the goalkeepers and the defenders involved first, early doors, and then it kind of works, but it sort of tailed off. And then, so I, yeah, like I said, I did it United Liverpool, and obviously with, with it being nil nil, it was it was a bit of a sad state of affairs. I was like, okay, Bruno's gonna do something. Bruno, as he like he he likes the stats in it. I was like, Bruno's gonna get me a stat in the next twenty minutes. Didn't happen. Um, I thought Pogba was gonna get me something. Like to be fair, I can't really blame any of them. Like the game was the game in it. Do you know what I mean? It was it was a tough day, but it is always fun. Like trying to trying to second guess, um, especially when Discord is popping off as well. So yeah, no, I'll definitely definitely be playing again uh, very soon. Everyone should jump on. I love the idea of it, man. It always it, it reminds me of like trying to pick when to bring in like your super sub. It feels like yeah. I'm playing playing manager. Like when do I when do, when's Bruno for that? When's Bruno gonna score me my pin? What minute do I want it to come in? You know what I mean? So <laughs> you sure, um, it's all about using your gut instinct, just thinking about how the game will unfold. Uh, it's free to play, and there's a lot of prize money to win too. So make sure you look out for that. But um, moving on, let's start the show. So. Um, I think we should start. Let's start with uh, the Sheffield United game. Uh, let's start with a review of the game. Uh, Tops, what did you think going into the game? Yeah, man. Um, going into the game, uh, I I kind of thought um, this was a game that we should definitely be picking up three points uh, against a team that's in a bit of a, a bad run of form, bottom of the league. Um, they did just get a result against Newcastle before, but I thought um, just with the quality that we had, um, and the way we've kind of been playing that uh, we would go into this game positively to try and get three points um, which we you know did so I think I think the narrative going into the game was like we've been throwing away points I think it's is it 10 points so far from winning positions um, something, so something ridiculous like that something and yeah something crazy like that so I mean definitely the goal going into this game was to try keep a clean sheet, try and, um, yeah, I guess just try and steady the ship, man. We wanted to we wanted to stop seeing this second half rot. Um, what did you think about the uh, the lineup? I oh, think it's it's one of them ones. Everyone, I, I might have to switch it up because we've got, we've got some ex-pros and I don't know how well they know certain man, but for, for all intents and purposes, I, I call Ben Davies Brexit Ben just for his style <laughs> of play, his passport. You know what I'm saying, but it, the fan base always everyone's arsehole gets a little bit tighter when we see him on, on the bench. Oh, not starting, sorry, but I'm a little bit more confident when he's at LCB rather than LB. 
Um, he, he did all right. So, yeah, just for anyone who didn't see the game, we played 3-4-3. Davies, Dyer, Rodon, uh, Reguillon, Hoybier, uh, Ndombele playing as deeper, which, which is what we've been asking for literally since the first episode. Um, Aurier right wing back, and then uh, Bergwijn and, and Son playing inside forwards off, off Kane. Uh, I, I think I, I like the lineup. I think it was good to. These are the kind of games we're going to get um, minutes for Rodon as well, because obviously he's not in Europa League squad half because we missed the deadline, but also half because I think I read something somewhere that I don't know what it is with Europe. I don't know what it is with Europa, but they don't allow any Welsh teams to come under like a, a homegrown sort of quota. Obviously, man, come from from Swansea in it. So as many minutes as we can get from Rodon, the better. Um, I think it was good. For, it was good for him to to get involved. I liked seeing Bergwijn coming in the middle quite a lot into like the ten area. Um, like his he Bergwijn prob- was that's probably one of his best. That's probably his best game in quite a long time. And all he needed was a goal. You know, I've, I've, I'm feeling for him a bit. He's, he just needs. It's nice to see him being a bit more confident. Um, but we just we just need him to get back on that score cheeks. At the end of the day, it's, it is going to be a game of numbers. Um, well, I'd, I don't even want to start talking about Ndombele because I'll talk until tomorrow. But I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Ndombele, man, I love, I love you. Love to see it. Like tops. In fact, let me let me let you take the mic, man. Cause yeah, man. You. So uh, on this podcast, Marcus and Hogan, uh, I am a definite stan of uh, Tongi Ndombele, man. Um, been watching this guy for a minute still. Back back from his days in uh, Leon, and obviously last season was a bit of a disappointment. Um, but this season, man, he's just he's just coming to his own. To be honest with you, obviously the conditioning is getting there, the performance are improving, um, and this was the first game that he's completed ninety minutes in the Premier League. Um, I think I saw a stat that he covered the most distance um, than any other Spurs player, um, and he was it was an all action performance, man. Um, interceptions, ball recovery, shots. He was tackling, winning duels. And obviously he got himself um, the third goal uh, in the game, which was, in my opinion, an unbelievable finish um, from a very, very somewhat tight angle. Um, I'm actually very happy for him. I I feel like uh, the support that he's kind of got from people who know that he's a decent player has always been there. And he's starting to give people like Mourinho and Tottenham fans reason to believe that he is the kind of player that yeah. we paid, you know, the record signing for. Um, but what's funny is that, like, when I think about that goal, like, certain men are asking how Ndombele was able to score from where he did, but certain Germans can't even finish one-on-ones when they're through on goal. So um, I won't speak on that anymore. I won't speak on that anymore. Because even Ndombele this season as well, like, man's, man's already got, like, I think two or three goals. I think certain man across the road haven't even touched three goals in the league yet. Like, and they're, and they're on the most amount of money. So we, we could ask those questions another day, but that's for another agenda. That's for another agenda. We'll we, we save that one for a little we'll bit. Save that one, Let that one stew. But, you know, um, like, Ndombele's performance, you know, um, it, it inspired a comment, I think, from Jose, where he said, um, good players play anywhere. And um, I don't know if that was like maybe an indirect at Delhi Ali or something like that. But um, Marcus, like as an ex-pro, like what, what what do you think of that kind of statement? I think it's a typical Mourinho statement. You know, he, he's he's been throwing those out for years now. Um, I don't know who that was aimed at. Only only Mourinho will know. Um, 
but yeah, just on them, Don Bele, he's a he's an exceptional talent. Um, I think he could do things with the ball that, you know, reminiscent a bit of Dem Bele when you used to have him. He's able to manipulate the ball, um, protect the ball, go past people at will. Um, obviously, it's not ideal that you're a player like him can't do ninety minutes. I think we're halfway through the season now, he's completely one ninety minutes. That's worrying. Um, but moving forward, you get him on the pitch for ninety minutes, and he. He keeps those level performances up. He's, you've got a, a potential world-class player in your hands. Um, but yeah, I still, I still believe there's question marks over consistency. And he, if he can keep those consistent performances up, then yeah, you've got he's got the world at his feet. And um, Hogan, what, what do you think about those kind of comments and and in Dombele as well? Like, do those comments inspire you when you hear a manager say something like that? I think he's got a point to it in the way that football's going nowadays. Even if you look at front threes and whatnot, they're all flexible and can play in each position. And on Bele, in games, the game you played at home to, to full on draw, I would like to give it to him as well. He's going to play at number 10 because he hasn't got that trust yet. I think last year there was a few times which was below the unacceptable standards. But when you play that game against Burnley and you don't have a one-team game, you're running out of lesser intensity than the goalkeeper. You receive the ball off the centre-backs twice, but as a centre-back, you do a lot of trust with your manager and teammates, and trust is the most important thing. So you see what surely get back the talents, undoubtedly. Unbelievable ability. But just got to get that trust. Another goal, he lost the home school last season when he didn't track the run. He's there jogging for 60 yards. That sort of stuff, mm. managers don't figure that lightly. They, they need to know that they can put their house on you. And if he keeps performing like he has been recently and, and he keeps churning out 90 minutes like he did the other day, then that will only help him because Mourinho, he did get stuck into him when he went there last year. Everyone's seen the Amazon documentary as well where it looked like the writing would be on the wall for it. But fair play to him. He's come back into his own and and hopefully he can be a mainstay in that team because with his ability he could definitely help the likes of Son and Harry Kane and and it'd be one of your more one of your more impressive players. Yeah, just going on that one as, as a six as well. I, I completely agree with Hogan about trusting on the ball. He sometimes takes too many touches in those areas, uh, you know, on the edge of his box um, when you need to be moving the ball quickly. So I think I do get Mourinho's point on that one. He he needs to be more reliable in those sort of areas. Higher up the pitch, do your thing, but. You remember Dembele, yes, he could get out of those areas, but he also knew he wanted to play one and two touch as well. So, but no, he's a great player. I'm not going to knock him. Nice. No, I'm, I'm just glad to have a midfield again, man. Like between Ndombele, Hoybier, um, even Sissoko to some extent, um, I'm just loving, I'm loving having a midfield at Spurs. That's no like slight to um, the players who were there before, I guess, like or like Winks or anything. Like it's good to see them come in and out of the team, but. It's just always good to see the, the starting eleven improving, man. And um, I guess for me, like, I, I think Mourinho was being a bit cheeky with the good players play anywhere thing. But um, as a fan, like, you, you always want to see players play, like, in their most effective positions. And I think um, the guys have been saying it for a while, like, we'd, you'd love to see Ndombele playing in centre mid when possible. Um, hopefully, like, somebody else gets... Um, more chances to, to to give this sort of number 10 performance similar to what Berwin did today um, which again brings us back to the elephant in the room which is Deli Ali um, not even making the bench for this game like it's really disappointing I mean 
um this is a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a um a bit of a left but i was watching the highlights of the last time spurs played wickham earlier today and mm. Deli ali's goal was just like that's that's the kind of thing i want to see from Deli ali and it's like it feels like that's the kind of thing we're missing at the moment so i mean um ohio what what does Delhi have to do man <laughs> you're you're mute mate yeah, good point. Um, I think I'm one of them people. Sometimes when you hear me talk about Ali, I sound a bit like anti Delhi, and I'm not like you know. So I want, I want ball. I like ballers balling. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we've seen, we've seen him do like unbelievable things. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think you know, are we a number of us have been saying for a while, like you know, kind of leaning towards Jose's comment about good players playing anywhere. There's like a there's like a sprinkle of truth to that in the sense of like we can't keep Ali can't just play nine point five all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, he he can't be afforded that luxury, especially in a Jose team that you know sometimes you do have to be a bit more rigid and work a bit harder and release the ball a bit quicker. And these are things that you know Delhi's not necessarily a been known for or be shown much improvement towards. Um, and especially like you know he was an unknown quantity at the beginning. And is it is it a mix of I don't I don't want to say complacency because I don't because at the end of the day footballers at that level. They they will always want it, you know. No, no matter what anyone thinks, you know, nobody turn, no one walks onto the pitch and thinks oh, I'm going to half ass it today and give it a five. No one gives it a five out of ten because they feel like it. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think Delhi has to be. Uh, it would have been nice to see him in, even though Bergwijn had a great game against Sheffield. I can see Delhi doing something similar to the way Bergwijn was playing because even though if you look on the team sheet, Bergwijn was technically inside forward on the right. Where did his assist come from for um for Ndombele? Straight down the middle. It was like a one-two, one-two down the middle. And, uh, you know, the scoop pass was delicious to watch, but Delhi's definitely got that in his locker as well. And, you know, alluding to the finish against um, against Wickham that came from some high pressure and stuff like, Delhi is the, he's the kind of third goal option that we need. Obviously, we've been saying we want more goals uh, from Bergwijn and hope, fingers crossed, he, he gets one against Liverpool because we'll, we'll get into the Liverpool um, preview soon um, if, if he doesn't play against Wickham. But, you know, Delhi is, he's still a shooter. Like, even if he's not necessarily in form, like, the guy can, can still get goals. It's just, you can understand where people, people's patience is wearing a bit thin. But then on the flip side, you know, we don't know. I, I genuinely think he probably is busting the gut in training. I don't think he's not trying. I think that's a bit, I think that's a bit, a bit egregious to say. But um, I think Jose is kind of violating by putting Jetson on the bench when there's nine man instead of daily like, and I'm sure Jensen's a nice guy probably works his socks off can also speak Portuguese I don't know if that's a factor or maybe Jose doesn't like Nigerians or half Nigerians I don't know but yeah it's 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 not it's not looking great for him and obviously Posh is sniffing in Paris as well like I I do a situation I would much rather you know Delhi just just got given that chance and then just bang two goals and just release the ball a bit quicker and kept him kept himself in the team but Annoyingly, in Jose's words, it's it's on him. Do you know what I mean? You're on mute now. <laughs> good point, good point. But yeah, it would be nice to see Delhi. It would be nice to see Delhi get another chance in this team. And I still think he's got a role to play for us this year. So hopefully Poch doesn't get too close. But um, before we move on to Wickham, I mean, we have to touch on this. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Is it like a second half hoodoo? Um, Harry Kane has come out saying that Jose says, or he doesn't say we should sit back at half time. But again, we've conceded 
after half time after a period of it seeming like we've we've sat off. So um I mean told uh, tops, what's what's your take on that? What do you think it is? Um I feel like uh in that moment Harry Kane's probably never going to he's probably he's probably never gonna say anything sort of negative or detrimental that would harm the manager. Um uh, it's a it's a bit of a difficult one to explain, really, because on one hand, Jose is saying to us that I'm never telling these guys to hold back in the second half. I'm never telling them to do X, Y, Z. That a lot of it is just as he maybe I think he alluded to last week against uh, Fulham that it was maybe some individual errors and maybe he couldn't trust some people in certain in certain moments. But I think it's probably a mixture. I mean, um, sometimes I think the system that we play sometimes doesn't help us. Sometimes it's the substitutions where we could maybe have a more progressive player maybe on the pitch. And obviously, as, like previously in previous sorry, in previous weeks, he's taken off players like Ndombele and, and brought on players who haven't really affected the game as much as he possibly could, or at least into control the game. So that maybe made a difference. Um, I've also alluded to that, you know, I know we're 18, 19 games into the season, but maybe fitness as well. Um, there's a reason that for some reason, there's a reason that after a certain period of time in the games, we do tend to fade away. Um, but I, I, I think I do believe what Harry Kane is saying uh, in that the manager doesn't tell them to sit back. It, it, it could be a mentality thing, something that we've always talked about, that we should hold on and drop and drop a bit. But to be honest with you, it is really about just the players taking responsibility. Um, I do feel like in these games, you probably have a mindset where you've scored a goal um, and you're thinking, okay, if I don't need to do too much to hold on, then I can just continue. But what I did like about the Sheffield United game was that we did we were 2-0 up, they did score. And for the first time in quite a while, watching watching us under Jose, we actually looked like a bit more dangerous after that point. And we actually looked like we could have gone and scored a couple more. And obviously, Ndombele did. So that kind of gave me um, some positive that actually maybe, maybe Harry Kane is telling the truth, maybe Jose is saying, you know, what he has been saying, that he isn't telling them to drop back or to to hold off when we go like one or two nil up, you know? So, um, Marcus, is is that something you, you'd have to do, like cover for the manager or do you think uh, come out? <laughs> I don't think many footballers do come out and tell the, tell the truth exactly how they feel. Um, but on that one, I think it's a, it's a mentality thing, but I do think the mentality comes from the manager. So when I say this, it's, I can't remember watching a Pep Guardiola side or a Klopp, Jurgen Klopp side, for example, score a goal and then the players drop off. You know, I think it comes from the manager and what he he day in day out, and it's not maybe just not on, on match day, but all throughout training, what he what his philosophy and what he wants to do. Step on the front for attack, attack, attack. And I all I'm a great believer in the best form of defence is attack. I think once you sit back, you invite pressure. And you inevitably you're going to concede chances which lead to goals. So I think it's more an unsaid thing. Maybe he doesn't say, "Listen, don't sit back," but you know, you you, you sense that that's what you know. Generally, his philosophy is let's be tight first. Does that make sense? When there's another manager will say, "No, front foot attack first. That's yeah. kind of what I think, anyway. My personal opinion. Uh, we got we got um, the people in the chat. We've got some <laughs> some funny comments there. Um, Tobes. As a good point, he says Jose says he says it's just one time, but his tactics and subs say otherwise. And big up uh Sai as well, saying Harry Kane's just using his media training to good effect. Uh 
But let's let's move on from the Sheffield United game, and um, let's talk about Wickham. Um, do you know what? Before before we got before we get into the preview, um, tell us a little bit about um, your time at um, Wickham, Hogan. Um, I joined there. I think it's fourteen fifteen season. Um, I left I left QPR in the summer. Went about three months um, without a club and. Was thinking about calling it a day then, to be honest, but Wickham gave me the call. So I joined out, I think it was around October time in that season, attempted to say. And then, yeah, stayed there through until the end of the season. We reached the playoff final, which unfortunately we lost on penalties, but we gave it a good run. At the start of that season, not, not much was expected of us at all. Um, staying in the league would have been an achievement, I think, in most people's eyes, but we did well. We was up there battling for the automatic promote, uh, promotion, places mm-hmm. at one stage. Unfortunately, just fell off, and then in the playoff final, obviously that's where that's where we we crumbled at the end. But it, it was it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. How about for you, Mark? Yeah, no, it was it was, it was a great time. I think playing under the manager, the manager's big on um, team spirit and um, you know togetherness, and and that's one thing we had in abundance. It was a, probably the the most the best dressing room I've been in in terms of. No um, backstabbing, no sniping, no different factions, which you have at a lot of clubs. Uh, Hogan will tell you there's, you know, this group, that group, that group. No, it was all, everybody was in it together. And um, yeah, we had we had some really good times there. Um, yeah, definitely. Nice. And um, what, do you, what do you think of the club? How is um, the direction is moving at the moment? I think it's incredible, you know, um, for, for a manager to take a team to nearly getting, um, coming out of the Football League. Then they, they stayed up on the last last day about four or five or five or six years ago, I'm not too sure how long ago it was exactly, to bring them to the championship with the sides of the squad, the finances available um, and the fan base is, is is incredible. And I've been to watch them quite a lot this year or I've watched them on TV, um, one of the both, a bit of a combination of the two and, they're, and they're, they're competing, you know. I know they're bottom of the league, but every game's been close and they're fighting for, for, for the points in every game. So hats off to the management and uh, and the players. Yeah, I just want to back up what Marcus and Hoagie were saying, you know, so just for those on the pod, um, I know I used to be the strength conditioning intern uh, back in 14-15 season and yeah, I met Hogan around October time and then, and then Marcus come in January and interestingly, the summer before that, um, I think I came and did just some pre-season testing because there was a, a link with my old university and I think uh, Gareth Ainsworth had just come in and there were a couple characters wouldn't say necessarily say they were bad guys, but for 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 where they were, they probably believed in the hype a little bit too much. I don't want to want to say any names because they were like nice guys to me, sort of thing. But you could just sort of tell it wasn't. I wouldn't say uh, the gaffer was a hard ass or anything, but he was just sort of like look like the vibe I'm going for is togetherness. Like you know, everyone's gonna have an ego to a degree, but it's like as long as your ego is not detrimental to the system, then he's fine with it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think when I come back you know, the following year to do the internship, those guys that I had that opinion of prior to, they weren't there anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? And you had the likes of, you know, you had your Aaron Pierre's and your Alfie Mawson's who were like, you know, young, jovial guys, but they always knew when to put in work. Toby's telling me to name names. You always get in trouble, bro. (laughs) 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 Name names. Um, But yeah, no, you you could see you you had the old heads, like, you know, the, the Paul Hayes, the Matt Bloomfields, like they... They'd been the same from last year, you know, just nice guys welcoming. You know, Bloomfield knew that he spent half the time on 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 the spin back trying to keep himself fit. 
But, you know, he he was still just a nice guy. And then, like I said, the younger guys, the centre-backs, and then um, Fred, Fred Oyedema, who's still there, you know, it was it was a proper good culture to be a part of. And it sort of, it gave me an insight. Because, you know, everyone's got what they want to say about footballers. And, you know, it, it doesn't shock me that, you know, Marcus has said it's one of, the, one of if not the best dressing room he's been a part of. Because even me, that was just an intern, you know, they'd invite me to like sit down and eat with them and like eat with the coaches and stuff. And it was, it was a proper good vibe at Wickham. And that's when, you know, they were, uh, that was the promotion promotion play playoff final year, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. And um who who was was it this it wasn't the same was it the same manager at the time? Gary um yeah. Gary Ainsworth. Yeah. I think he's been in a job one of the longest in England, isn't he? I think something like that. Yeah, nine years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And um what's what's it like um I guess training at championship was was championship the highest level that you guys played at? So what what's it like playing at championship compared to other levels? Highest I was I done all four leagues. I done the Prem, Champ League One, League Two. Um, probably spent most of my career in the Champ with yeah QPR because we got promoted. That was probably two years here and there. West Ham maybe two years in the Prem, but the level changes every league. It's the intensity of how you do things, um, the intensity of the running, the intensity of the passing, the intensity of the closing down. Everything's just a level up every time you step up. And you have to be ready to adapt to it because people might think it's a small difference between getting promoted and going to the higher league. The difference is major because you have players that can just crumble. They, they could be amazing in a promotion winning season. Next next year, when the level goes up and the tempo is up 5%, it's a whole different ball game. So... You've got to get used to it. For me, it was harder because I probably went down in the leagues instead of going up. So every time I went to a new club, it was kind of step, taking a step down in that intensity level. So that that's hard to adjust to. And then you get frustrated. You start demanding more of others. And maybe sometimes that's right. Maybe sometimes it's not fair because other players haven't been at that level and that's just what they expect. So it's hard to get used to in that respect. But also, it's the demands of your teammates. I think the higher the level you are, you, you get... Like, when people tell me footballers don't care, it's, it's nonsense. I've never seen um, anyone who cares as much as the best players I've played with. All the ones that have had the best careers, the Teddy Sheridans, the Craig Bellamy's, players like that, these lot lose their mind over anything. It could be a keep ball session. Like, they have to win it. They, they can't be on the losing team. So, it's the demands that... That play a big role as well. So yeah, but you do see the difference in each league. So um what what's it like, Hogan, when um I guess like when those demands get crazy, like so um like a time like QPR when you had all of the financial issues and things like that. What's yeah. it, what's it like playing at a time like that? I, I don't mind the demands. I, I think that you have like I always wanted a manager that I was fearful of. If it was a manager who I was cool with and I wasn't too worried about then I wouldn't be playing my best football. I needed to be a little bit worried of you as a manager. So people like Paolo Souza was my manager. And from early doors, I, I was a little bit fearful of him. So I knew I had to be on my game every day. If I've had a late night or whatnot, I knew that I had to show up to training the next day and be on job. So that was just obviously personal opinion and, and how I preferred it. And I also love the minded teammates. Uh, people talk a lot about the likes of Joey Barton or, or Craig Bellamy once again. Um, probably got this image that, that they're a bit of an arsehole, if we're being honest. But 
I, I love people demanding of me like that. And I believe those sort of players would raise my game about 5%. So personally, yeah, I haven't got a bad word to say about those sort of characters. Nice. Um, so uh, I guess let's let's move on to the actual game. Um, what do you think? What, what what should we expect from the game, um, O'Hara? As long as we don't get anything remotely similar to the sixteen seventeen game, are we buzzing? Because I remember watching it live and thinking, "What is going on?" Like we were we were two 0 down in the blink of an like it was. An, I'm not gonna lie, the first goal was an unreal finish. Like Hazy Hazy was gas. I've I've I'd never even seen Hayes do that in training. He was just always holding the ball up and, and, and bouncing off people with, with the shoulders. Like the, the finish was too sweet. Um, I expect us to play a much stronger team than we did that day. I think the only guys left in that team, I think Sissoko played right wing that day. Son played up front. Dyer played, might have played in midfield. But yeah, like there was, with, with all due respect to these guys, like, you know, there was the Cameron Carter Vickers were there. Michel Vaughan was in goal. I think Nkudu or Inji or one of them started left wing. I think it was Nkudu, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I just expect we probably won't play everyone who's a, who's, who's who's like a normal first 11 player, but it will still be a strong team. Kane will play, Son will play. I, I wouldn't expect to see um, wouldn't expect to see Alfie Devine on, on the bench uh, this time around, even though that's my boy. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it'll be... That's the only time I've used. <laughs> so, uh, for, those, for those wondering, Sai Sai hates the term Spursy. He's mad. Had many an argument, many a monologue about it. But that was would have been the one time you call us Spursy. We it, it's got it, it's got down. It's got it's got down that Son scored two goals. They were both definitely very lucky own goals because neither of them were going in until a Wickham player touched it, and then we scored. It. One of them was at the 97th minute when there was only six minutes stoppage time. Like that was shocking. Shocking, shocking, shocking. So just, <laughs> just anything not like that game, I will take to be honest. But Wickham are better now, do you know what I'm saying? If they've got better players, slightly you know, playing a higher standard. So, you know, they're 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 gonna come they're gonna come out for it, you know. Just off the back of that era, I know you're hosting, but I, just, I was just wondering, like, obviously Marcus, you were in the squad that day. So like what was it like? When you know Tottenham got drawn out the hat and like what was training like and then what was what was the what was the like match day like and stuff like that. No, I, I think obviously it's, the boys were excited, but we had business to do in the league. I think at the time we were we were doing well in the league, um, but as soon as that final league game's out of the way, because at the end of the day, up until that point, you're playing for your position in the team for that top, Tottenham game, whichever whatever way you look at it. So people focus on the league. As soon as that was out of the way, then it was like the excitement could build. And I just remember I was on the bench that day, so I don't think I came on. But I was just watching the game thinking, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. Like, on the day we 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 we, we, we went 2-0 up, as you said. Um, it was early. Um, looked rattled Spurs at the time. Um, and it took you bringing on the big guns. Obviously, Deli Alli, Dembele came on. And that's when I think the game changed and swung in your favour. And, and it was, and it was um, yeah, it was tough the last, last 20 or so minutes. But before then... I think you really struggled with the physicality of Bayo. Um, I think that was Cameron Carter's um, last game at the, for the club, I think, probably, because <laughs> uh, he got quite bullied that day. And it's not his fault, because Bayo can do that to anybody. Um, but I'm expecting a similar sort of game plan from Wickham when you go against them. It's going to be, can we get the ball into the front, man? Um, and can we just try and cause a problem um, in, for the, for the defence? 
Nice, nice, nice. Um, any sort of prediction for the score tops? Um, I think we'll probably look to rotate uh, the squad. Um, obviously, we've, we we haven't had a game all through this week. Um, and then we've also got a big game on Thursday, uh, Liverpool at home. So uh, I'll be interested to see how we probably rotate the squad. Um, I've, I've been looking at Wickham's results and they, they are bottom of the championship, but they actually haven't been playing too bad. I, I actually live in Wickham and I actually, last season I went to quite a lot of their games. So um, I like kind of understand the kind of the way that they've been playing. And I feel like this season I've also been keeping an eye on them and it has been difficult for them as well at points. Um, and I think as well, this game is their first game in almost like two weeks, I think as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they also sort of get themselves back into this game. But um, I mean, if hopefully if we have uh, a rotated squad with a, enough sort of quality, I think we should be able to just get ourselves over the line. Um, but again, you know, this is the, it's funny. I was watching the, I was watching the highlights of that FA Cup game. It just makes me miss having fans like in stadiums and like just the the atmosphere and like you know it's so difficult these days uh, when you think about the way things have gone with this uh, pandemic that like that would have been a great day to be a Wickham fan um, you know to get those goals to go, to go up, up against Tottenham at White Hart Lane in the Premier, uh, Premier League club um, so it'll be interesting and it's a bit disappointing that we can't get no fans as well similarly you know to go at Adams Park uh, for this game but Touchwood, you know we should have it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline enough quality to to get the win and start focusing on uh, Thursday really against Liverpool yeah yeah um, I, I'd like to see maybe Vincius get a start um, it'd be good to see him I, I, I think he looks dangerous you get what I mean like when, when in all of his appearances so it would definitely be good to see him get a start I think um, we've lost Marcus for the time being oh okay there we go, like clockwork. Um, good timing, Marcus, because <laughs> we've actually got a question for you from from the crowd from uh, Tobes. So, what was it like working with um, Akin Fenwa? Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Um, so I, 
I actually know Bell for a number of years. I first played met Bell when he was at, um he came on trial at QPR when I was about about well, about nineteen years ago. Um and then I played with him at Swansea, so I've known Bell for a long time. Bell's exactly what you see on social media is exactly how Bell is in real life. He's a infectious character, he's the life and soul of the club. He's um he's a leader. He, he's a, he, the, the younger boys look up to him. He, he knows when to put an arm around the shoulder, but he also knows when everyone knows not to mess with Bayo in it. So if you know what I mean, so he's he's got that that bit of both, um, which is great. Um, as a player, he's I'd say he's probably one of the most underrated players I've played with in the sense of technically he's very good. So he's got a, number, a very good touch. Um, he used to be quick. Obviously, he's lost his pace now, but he's, he's deceptively quick back in the day. He's lost his pace now. But in the air, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to defend against him. If, if the ball's right, he, and, and he's going he's gonna to win the header. And it's not because he can jump off the floor great, necessarily. It's because he's able to move you, manipulate you out of the way and get his head on the ball. And I say manipulate, that's just strong army, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure, so he's a, he's, a, he's a great player, a great character to have in your team. And I can understand why the gaffers keeps... I keep. I can honestly, yeah, I can understand why the gaffer keeps giving him new contracts because even if he's only come off the bench every now and then, he's still such a great character to have around the place. And um, Spurs, Spurs unfiltered are asking, was Akinfenua as physically huge nineteen years ago as well? Basically <laughs> <laughs> huge. Um, you know what? His body shape was maybe a little bit different, but he was still. Now, the... now I said his body shape was a little bit different, but he was still very strong. Um, I think he, like he kind of his, his his size kind of changed in his physical physicality. Trying to change when I went to Swans and he got an injury. He got an injury and he was out for a while, um, and then he kind of changed physically. Um, but yeah, he was still an animal at nineteen. Yeah. No, when I joined secondary school, he was actually in year 11, the same school. And even then, he was a beast, man. <laughs> he was a beast. But, but Beanie's Beanie right, technically very good. I, I've never played with him, but I'm just talking about back then. Physically, um, he was quick, he was strong, but he, he had nice feet as well, good touch. And people just look at him on appearance and just assume he's a big man who's just going to win flip on. But Beanie's right, he's got much more to his game than that. You, you didn't play him in year nine versus year 11 or nothing, no? <laughs> uh, to be fair, I was year seven and I, and I, was, I was a small kid. I'm trying to imagine I can Fenway in year 11, yeah, like, you know them ones where, like, the year seven ball will go to the year 11s and year 11 will just boot it into a next section of the playground that you have to go to. <laughs> imagine doing that. <laughs> go and get that, man. Go and the get craziest that, thing about Bayo is that he's got... Um, <laughs> he's got two brothers that are actually bigger than him. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, so That's that family, wild. man, you don't want to mess with that family. It's absolutely school, wild. Oh my <laughs> god, it is big brother. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, what did we have next? Let's move on to uh, Liverpool. Should we do Liverpool preview? Yeah, we can do Liverpool. Um, so what, what are we expecting from Anfield? I think part part I would obviously I, I, the formation we had against Sheffield United worked very very well, but at the same time it is Sheffield United. 
Um, and I'm not currently watching. I haven't got Liverpool in the corner, so I don't know how they're getting on at home to Burnley. Um, it's nil, it's nil, nil. It's nil, nil. Okay. Um, and Salah's Salah's also on the bench, so we're we're going to be playing a slightly fresher Salah. Um, I think the I think what could potentially if we do stick to the three four three, which I think could potentially work. I think what's going to be really key is how um, the wide centre backs work in those half spaces. Whether they, if they, if you, if they position themselves properly, so they just don't get overran by the absolute monsters that are that are um, Salah and Mane, I think that's probably going to be the most key part of the game. Again, it's it's doing us and the rest of the league a favour that um, that Liverpool have still yet to sign a centre back. Whether it's going to be Upamecano, whether it's going to be any centre back that they're trying to get, to be honest. So I think it's it's I'll, if they can still play that Donny who was at Kidderminster last year. Who was actually pretty decent against us? I'm not going to lie, but I'd, I'd rather play him um, than anyone else. Uh, like I don't think Matip's going to be fit yet, and I, I quite rate Matip personally. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Matip's good, and I don't know playing if anyone's playing tonight. Matip's playing tonight. Wow, yeah, I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, and 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 Salah's on as well. Salah <laughs> came on as well. So, oh, well, there you go then. Um, but yeah, it's just. I think I think I'm, I'm I'm more confident this time around. Not necessarily just because of the Sheffield United game. I think it was just we looked we looked quite comfortable considering the change in system. And listen, it's always Tongi time, man. It's it's always Tongi time. When 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 my man's on the pitch, anything can happen. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think I think Kane, Kane and Son are overdue. They're overdue a double act as well. I might put I might put five pound on that again. Give me a couple of bills. Um, yeah, man. I think it, we can get it done. We have got some fixtures coming up where. You know, in the, in, in the group chat and on Twitter, people are saying, I'll be trying to get 10, 12 points in the next five games. That, you know, regardless of what the aspirations are, these are the kind of games we, we've we've got to try and win. We can't, Liverpool can't do the double on us. Tops, yeah, what man. do you think about the Spurs defence going into this game? Oh. <clears throat> um, in terms of our fullbacks, uh, I'm kind of happy with how they've been. Uh, I think Regulon's a great signing for us. Uh, well, uh, I feel like he's kind of settled in well and he's starting to show us lots of the ability that we knew that he had. Um, he's played very well in the last couple of games and I feel that will be a very good uh, game against Salah on that right wing for him. Uh, so I'm very happy with him. I feel like Aurier has been improved as well, largely improved. Um, it's almost as if like the uh, Doherty signing has kind of given him a kick up the backside um, and has forced him to kind of improve his performance largely this season, apart from that one mistake where he gave away a penalty. Now, I'd largely say he's been in the top three uh, right-backs in the league this season. Um, the only thing that does worry me a little bit is our is our central defence. I feel like it's been a topic of conversation um, while we do have a decent defensive record this season, um, I do feel like it's somewhere that where we can be got at. And it's probably a reason why uh, Jose hasn't played the same players in there all the time. Um, I suppose the one mainstay has probably been Eric Dyer. Uh, but then, uh, you know, there are some games where you, you look at him and you just you're, you find yourself wanting him getting stuck on the balls, him not getting to the ball first. So then having to put in players like Sanchez, Rodon, and then for some reason as well, he seems to have lost, come out of favour with Toby as well. Um, I kind of feel like 
it'll be interesting to see who he picks against Liverpool. Um, I do feel like this is kind of a good time for us to play Liverpool as well because I feel like Liverpool, they're not really firing on all cylinders in terms of their attack. Um, I feel like Trent isn't really as effective as he's been. I feel like Robertson has been effective, but Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, Firmino, they haven't really been at the races as much. And I feel like if, there's, if there was a time for us to play them, where I don't feel the attack, like even like tonight, you know, 60, 65 minutes in against Burnley and it's still nil-nil at home. You know, last season, the season before, you would have accepted them to be maybe winning that by two or three, but they, they seem to have gone off the boil a little bit. So I feel like we can win the game if we can hold out our, our defence. I feel like the game we played at Anfield, I, I've said it before, I feel like we were very unlucky. We put a couple of those chances away, it's a different game. Um, so I feel like the chances will be there for us again. Kane, Son, and Dombele, Bergwin. But um, I think where the game is probably decided is whether or not we can hold out against Liverpool. Um, and we're home as well, so we have no reason to not go for it. You know, we're at home. So, Tops, just going back to what you said about Aurier, right? Top three right yeah. now. Who, who else are you putting up there with him this season? Uh, in my opinion, this season, um, I feel Reese James is up there. I feel like uh, he had a sort of a funny season last season because he was coming into the team and he was in and out of the team. But I feel like when he has been playing, he's probably probably uh, been the best fullback. And I think Jao Cancelo is absolutely world-class. I just, I think everything that he offers Man City is exactly what they want. He can play on the left. He can play on the right. He can play as, as a wing fullback. Um, he's in my fantasy football every single week. He's, I think he's absolutely top-class. So I'd probably say Jao Cancelo, Reese James when he's been playing because he has had some time out of injury and then Aurier as well this season as well. Yeah. You're putting Aurier above um, Carl Walker-Peters and James Justin this season? I knew that was coming. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? Like, we, it's, it's, we obviously were very happy when we got Doherty in and obviously Hoiberg has been a revelation for us. So for us to lose a long-term player who was academy player in Carl Walker-Peters, you know, most of us were like, happy days. You know, take we'll, we'll take Hoiberg, we'll send him away. And actually, it's looking kind of mad now because Doherty, in my opinion, has been, he's been substandard, to be honest with you. And Carl Walker-Peters has actually been very impressive at Southampton. Um, he seems to have, like, got his confidence back and he seems to be being coached very well by a very good coach in Raf, Ralph Husenthal. I had no um, idea when Spurs sold Cole Walker-Peters. I, I didn't think he was good enough for Spurs. When I saw him playing at Spurs, I just thought he's a level yeah. below what you've had in Cole Walker and Trippier and so on. But I've got to admit, he's but, gone to Southampton in this season. He, he's been unbelievable. And is, is, that, is that not the power of coaching, though? Is that, sorry, Hope, sorry. Is that not the power of coaching in the sense of you've got uh, Halter there, who is obviously renowned, a renowned coach, Taking young kids before in, um, when he was at Leipzig, um, Red Bull, sorry, and he's coached them. And I think in this country, there is this kind of, I don't know, that this want to buy the ready thing all the time. When if you put the effort in, I think there's a lot of those young boys like that can make the step up. You know what I mean? And, and, and listen, I agree with you in the sense of I did not necessarily see that sort of level I've, I've seen, but obviously Southampton have thought we've got this manager here, he's good at improving young players. 50 million was a lot at the time. So they've seen something that we haven't. I just think that, you know, that's important to remember. 100%. But 
I, I was watching Carl Walker Peters with Pochettino, who's an unbelievable coach, and I, I just couldn't see anything coming out from Carl Walker Peters at Tottenham. Thought he looked too timid. He looked encouraging to play against as a wired man on, mm. on the ball. He was dithering around. Gone to Southampton, took his game to a whole other level. Um, mm. After all my hands up, I didn't think he'd be good enough. Now I think he's on form, one of the best right backs in the Premier League. And mm. every game I see him, he gets better. But I also think what you can't underestimate with a lot of these young players, they got the easiest time in their life right now with no fans in the stadium. That, that's mm. it. Any of them young players. You go into a that's first game with no fans, it's basically a behind closed door game. Yeah. It, it's, it's a dream come true. And I think that's why towards the end of last season, you saw people like whether it be Mason Greenwood, Pulisic, Bukayo Saka, they all they all just hit the ground running because this is like reserve football in their heads. There's no added pressure. Mm. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with both your points. Um, I do think the power of coaching, as like we can say, even as Tottenham fans, if you have a if you have a manager who does focus on lots of different bits of your game to improve you as a player, it, it can definitely pay dividends. Um, so even with players like James Justin at Leicester, I think uh, Brendan Rodgers is a decent coach as well. And whilst you know he's come in and done a quite a big job considering Pereira has been out for so long, but he seems to be looking very comfortable in that right back position. So definitely, definitely support that feeling um, that coaching does make a massive difference to some of these young guys. And also to, to the point that yeah, you are right about the lack of. Uh, I was just saying before, Marcus, uh, when you were off, like. I feel like it's such it makes such a difference having fans in stadiums at the moment because obviously all these young players are playing like they will be playing back in the academies on under 23 under 18 games and lots of different things that that come into the you know the whole match scenario even though you are on the pitch 11 11 but the atmosphere um the crowd moans you know um people shouting things at you all these different things make a difference and when you're a young player it's so easy for these sort of things to probably affect you as you guys probably would be able to, to know but as you get older in the game you maybe like you block it out it doesn't come that it, it doesn't become that much of a thing but i also kind of feel as well like for the young players you guys can probably attest to this as well when you're a young player and you're trying to get into the first teams you want to play football in front of fans you want to play on the biggest stages and it's probably quite underwhelming that they're trying to they're finally getting to these points and they're playing at quite a high level and actually they're not getting people watching them. They're not getting fans in the stadium to see them play. They're not getting the full experience, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, um, I guess my question, my next question is kind of like on a um, on a scale from like Jose to Poch, like what kind of um, environment is the best for a young player sort of coming up? Like, do you think... Um, I'm just kind of thinking that like where, where I guess, would a young player like Kyle Walker Peters have been best placed, even though I guess Mourinho sold him and that kind of tells a story in itself. But is is Mourinho the kind of manager that a young player can come up from? I know you said you you like managers that kind of want more from you as well. I think um, I think at the time you'd rather be managed by Poch without question. But I think when you look back a few years later, you'd probably appreciate it from Mourinho. I think Mourinho's he's made some unbelievable young players go on and have fantastic careers as, as champions throughout their whole career. And then you look at people like Marcus Rashford, who recently turned around and says, I never realised how much Mourinho done for me until recently. I thought he was harsh on me, but it was the thing I needed most. 
So I think he's one of them ones that at the time and at the moment, you wouldn't appreciate how he comes across and his persona. But then when you get a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, I think you'll look back and, and know that it was for the best of you and he was just trying to get that mentality into you. For me, I, I, I can't really speak on the two of them because I don't really know what they're like, but I'm just thinking about me personally when I was a kid growing up and what, what worked for me was I want a coach. So when I'm in a coach, I want someone that wants to be on the training ground a lot wants to talk about detail, you know, wants to um, watch video with me and go through games with me. So it's about time spent, you know. And for me, the, the main thing is how much time does each manager dedicate to actually improving players? You know what I mean? And I don't know what Pochi does. I don't know what um, Mourinho does, but that's what I, fo- I, I, I appreciated as a player when I was young growing up. So I don't know. I, I can't tell you which one does more, but that's what I appreciated. Sorry, sorry to butt in. Can I ask a question like, uh, to you both, Marcus and Hogan? Like, <clears throat> so you speak about the details and how a coach gives you in terms of time spent. Mm. Did you find that you were, throughout your careers, you were best placed with managers who were giving you individual time or did you find that you were best placed with environments where the coaches were giving you a lot more of their time? I'll tell you this, 90% of managers that I've played for had no interest in me, improving me as a player. And when I say that, I mean, they were looked at me as a, a cog in the machine, so looked at the machine first and they didn't really look at the cogs. Do you know what I mean? If that makes sense? So yeah. <clears throat> only, te- only 10, 10% of managers I had actually thought, okay, by improving Marcus, I'm going to improve the team. They not, not of managers look at the team first and they don't really go into the minute mutual of each player and how can I make him five percent better then it's going to make the team um better Uh, so that's just my experience and it took me probably there's only a couple of coaches and one was a a german coach ua rossler um and his attention to dl is is insane like and i didn't appreciate at the time because it was that intense but he understood that if he if he by improving marcus by five or ten percent you know I can make the, the midfield five or ten percent better, and it was just that that mentality. But I don't think a lot of mentality managers have that mentality. They're too focused on results, and yes, results matter, but process matters as well. And yeah. and that's what I think that uh, a lot of managers get um, lot, uh, mixed up and lost. I think now, like you, you hit the nail on the head, and I think that's where the coaches have to take over because the manager, especially if you're talking Championship, League One, League Two, there's games every two or three days, right? So. People talk about coaching. You don't really get on the training pitch that, that much. It's all recovering. So the manager's got 25 players to deal with. He's got results to deal with, this, that, the other. That's where you need your coaches to come in and step up. I, I always found myself, um, when I was playing, especially it was, it was top quality players I'd learn from, more than any coach or any manager. So on the training pitch, that's where I'd learn my most stuff, just from watching other players. I've watched players like Bobby Zamora and players like that, and just learning all the time. I remember sharing them. I was young, 16, 17, we're doing a finishing drill. And he dinks the goalkeeper, he dinks, he dinks Jimmy Walker from about just outside the penalty box to the right-hand side. And I said, that didn't even look on. He said, I don't look where the goalkeeper is. I just judge off angles. Every angle tells me where to shoot from. And then that was mind-blowing forward to me. I grew up a Man United fan, right? So he, he's a hero to me. So when he's telling me this at 16, 17, He's saying because the goalkeeper has to cut off his near post at this angle, you don't even look. I know that he's not six foot seven. The dink's on if I get it right. He, he's playing football like science. So that just goes my eyes differently. Oh, and no, no manager 
no manager or coach could ever instill that to me because they're not capable of showing me like he just did. Yeah. That is, that was mad. Like, even though that was just one little, like, bit of advice, I'm like, imagine it happened. That's flipping wavy. Mm. But, yeah, just the whole Jose and Poch development thing, like, not to put Poch down in, in any way, shape or form, because obviously the man, you know, we went through a, a crazy positive transition period under him. But I've always kind of felt the youngster development thing under under Poch was a little bit of a myth because he, he used to get this praise for like bringing youngsters into the first team. And I was like, OK, you brought you brought through Winks to a degree, but like Kane was there, Ben Taleb was there, Mason was kind of there already, Ryan Mason. Um and yeah, it's just he had this thing where he said he wanted to keep the, the better young players in and around the first team, which, you know, there's he, he's probably alluding to some of the stuff you said, Hogan, about, you know, learning off some of the first team players. But, you know, to, uh, Tobes has just said in, in, in the chat, I've always thought, you know, the Carl Walker-Peters thing, he made a mistake not loaning out certain players. Um, and, you know, so yeah, like with, with KWP, uh, Hassan Hoot was obviously seen something when he's taken on loan and thought, nah, I can... I can make something work here. Do you know what I'm saying? We we might not have had to have uh, held on to Trippier for a little bit longer um, if if KWP had got that extra loan. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's only so much you're going to learn as as the um, as the as the third string right back. Um, and you know, I've I've always kind of felt maybe just from playing excessive levels of football manager, but I even take it quite personally. If I, if I'm learning out someone to a club, I'll be like, all right, what's your training facility saying? What's your youth coaching saying? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I, I know it's all AI in that, but it's, it's a little, I'm not going to send the youth man somewhere where he's not going to play and the facilities are dead and the coaching is dead and you're 23rd in League 2. Like, at you're least, a real football manager player, I can tell. Oh, trust me, Hogan, he is. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just, it's like, you know, I've, I've always kind of thought, I've not really thought Jose was about it with the youth team. Obviously, he brought through Davide Santon time ago with Inter, but at the same time, they had no left-backs. When he brought through McTominay, there's the kind of low-key agenda that he brought through McTominay despite Pogba, but McTominay does do some nice stuff. Let me not even lie. I don't like when they call him McSauce, but he does a couple of nice things here and there. But, you know, recently, you know, I remember there was one interview he did maybe the week before Spurs hired him, and he said, look, I am going to have to do some stuff differently. And I was like, is he going to bring for our youth? I don't know. Um, but, you know, Alfie Devine getting minutes against Marine is, is is important. Dane Scarlett being in Europa League squad is important. And, you know, under-23 captain Jabril Okadina, he's gone to Cambridge now, halfway through the season, which I, I think good. It was, he's just got to play grown man football. If you're a young centre-back, you've got to play grown man ball. Do you know what I mean? You know, Harvey White just went to Portsmouth um, and uh, we, lo- we loaned out somebody else. I, think, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Skip and Troy Parrott. Yes. Skip and Troy Parrott. And, you know, Parrott, it's not going fantastically at Millwall because he's been injured a little bit, but that's the kind of stuff you've got to learn. And Skip's flipping killing it. Skip's probably going to get player of the season um, for Norwich. But I've, I think I think Jose is being a bit more obviously positive with his with his youngsters bringing through. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, Hogan, you alluded to the Rashford thing. I saw when Rashford came out the other day and said some of the stuff Jose had told him and, Maybe he was too young at the time to appreciate it, but we can. We all kind of know Rashad's form did dip a little bit under Jose, but it's like, you know, do you take the L here to take the W over there? Do you know what I mean? So maybe that's what it is with Jose. But yeah, it's just interesting comparing the development styles of the two, especially current Jose. Well said, very well said, man. I think um, to a certain extent as well, 
um, I guess it would be interesting, Hogan and, and Marcus, to get your um, point of view on, on what it's like to actually go on loan. Like, is, is that process how, um, I guess, from the inside, is it how we see it as, like, I guess, football manager players or fans of football in that it's, you see it as it's going to improve you or, it's, or you have a future when you're in the team when you get sent on loan? Is that how you see it? My, my okay. first one when I was about 17, seven, yeah, 17 from West Ham to Colchester, that was obviously for development to improve me and just to play games. And then the loans I had after that, the Leeds was just to get fitness after an ankle injury. The rest of the loans as well just been bombed off. <laughs> so it, it was just go, go and get some games because you ain't going to play here. And then we'll just see what happens at the end of it sort of thing. But yeah, it could definitely help you as a learning experience. Um teaches you about winning, getting into a men's changing room, wanting to win every week, especially when you drop down the leagues and um, people want their win bonuses. This is their mortgage on the line, do you know what I mean? So you've got to get a whole new mentality for that. But then there are some players that are at such a level, I don't believe they should go on loan. So when people were saying Phil Foden should go on loan, I've never understood that at all. Um, People were saying Rashford a couple of years ago when Mourinho's manager should go on loan. He played the most matches under Mourinho. I've never understood that one at all. So it's it, it loaned me out of football mad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's some people at, at these top, top clubs where when your talent's that insane, you look at Mason Greenwood at the moment, for example, um, unbelievable talent, ha- having a bad time with things at the moment, not in good form. The easy thing for people to say would be to go on loan. Is that a penalty for Burnley? Is it actually see? Is that yeah. Yeah. Oh, Don't say God. that. Don't oh. say that. Oh. Oh. Right, is, you know. oh. oh, goodness me. Oh. Nine minutes left, man. Jesus. Oh, it's killing me right now. Oh, mate. Them men are going to come with everything they've got on Thursday, man. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh, love it. Yeah, for people like that, Mason Greenwood, I don't think you should be going on loan. Talent's there. You're going to have a career at Man United. There's no reason for you to go on loan to, I don't know, Southampton, for example. You're you're going to get nothing from it. Just be there day in, day out. You've got one of the best strikers of our generation at the club. Learn off him every day. Learn off the manager who played your position and just ride it out. So for, for the special cases, I say stay at the club. For everyone else, go out and get some games. Um, Marcus, would you say your experience was the same? Yeah, I, I think I think the the key, especially for these young boys, is when you go out alone, have the right attitude because you're leaving, you know, your I don't know your club, which is normally a bigger club, and you're going down to um, different clubs with different, um, as, as Hogan says, people have got different, um, you know, mortgages to pay and, and different aspirations. So you need to have going with the right mindset and the right um, frame of mind and. I have seen players come from bigger clubs, come down to, um, for example, League One or Championship, and, then, and they've come with a wrong attitude, thinking, you know, the, the big-time attitude, I shouldn't be here, I sh- I'm better than everybody else. And invariably, those ones, those are the ones that um, fail. So I've, the most important thing is to have the right attitude when you go out on loan. And if you have that, then I think loans are extremely beneficial and generally better than playing 23's football, in my opinion. Be- be- Beanie's correct in what he says there as well about the right attitude. There were some loans that I had in my time and subconsciously, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm only going to be here two months and I'm going back. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So even though I wouldn't I wouldn't show that attitude around, 
it was just in my head, even from the minute I was going down there to sign the contract, I'm thinking, all right, it's just two months and I'm going to be back. You shouldn't look at it like that. Every single time you play, because I do player recruiting now um, for, for OIS agency. So I'll tell the young players it's the same. Every time you go on the football pitch, it's a shop window. Every single manager you play against, I know now it's a bit different time, so there's not a load of scouts at the games and whatnot. Opposition manager, he sees you as a shop window every single game. So there were times where my mentality weren't right on certain loans, and that's something that I'll run into young people to make sure that they have their, their mindset right. Yeah, Hogs was spot on with that as well, because I do a bit of scouting as well for uh, Brentford, and I'll put a player in, and if he's, if he's had two or three bad loan spells, he might be a good player, but people look at your history and they say, well, he hasn't done it there, he hasn't done it there, and they question you. So it's important, man, that it's so important that every game you play, you've got to play it like it's it's your last because there are people watching. Whether or not there's people in the stadium or not, there's videos, and that's what we're watching at the moment. Everyone's watching Why Scout, Instat, and it's so important that you're consistent, um, even on a loan spell. A little bit random, but um, I was watching the the Sun documentary. I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Sensational. Yeah, um, Sensational. Sensational, And yeah. um, there's a part sort of like where they're talking about Sun's journey sort of to becoming the player that he is today. And it's, it's the, you guys sort of have been highlighting mentality of players when they go on loan. And I think if you watch this documentary, like it is an amazing example of player mentality. Um, I'd even go as far as to say Son's dad is like an example of a footballer mentality. Like, And I think you need to have that kind of mentality to even get anywhere close to the kind of thing that Son is doing. If you get what I mean. Where did you watch that? Amazon Prime. Prime. Amazon Prime. It came out today. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's called Son- Sensational, yeah. I have to watch that. Amazing. His, his dad is he's one of my heroes. Project Mbappe is coming, but Project Sun. <laughs> yeah. Project Sun as well. Project Sun. Project Sun. That is nuts. I don't want to spoil it in it, but like the best, because with, with the with the documentary itself, like there's parts of it where it's just like, you know, just someone like having that like conversations with like certain people, certain famous people, certain like old school ballers. But I genuinely think the best part is whenever his dad's in it. Because you can, he, he describes all the methods. Like his son's brother is there, um, like the Son Academy, that and everyone that's there, they're all like, oh, like you know, this is so weird being around you. And Son's like, hey, listen, like I'm just, I'm just like you lot, innit? What, what my brother's doing to you lot, this is just what my dad used to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to watch this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some of the stuff that Son's like. Put it this way, yeah, Son's Son's dad used to make drills with no cones, but you would know exactly what you were supposed to do. And <laughs> say one drill, yeah? Bro, I'm just going to say it. He was just, they, they said, like, ah, oh, they he used to have these, like, dribbling drills, yeah? So Son wasn't allowed to shoot until he was, like, I don't know, like, maybe 12, yeah, 12, 13, something, because he didn't want to, he didn't want to, like, uh, exacerbate the ligaments in his knee or something from shooting. I was like, okay, so it was repetition drills drill for, like, four to eight hours a day, yeah? And then he said there was one dribbling drill he used to do. It was like, oh, the figure eight thing. And then his dad was like, I had no cones. So I just used my shoes. And I'm thinking, oh, he bought like a bag of shoes and put them around you. Yeah. Do you know what Donnie did? He would stand in the snow and like do a circle and then another circle and then do a, a double circle next to it. And that's your figure eight in the ground. And you would just dribble and dribble and dribble. And I was like, <laughs> this guy is crazy. But he has worked. Oh, <laughs> that's brilliant. I need to watch he that. Was- 
he's even talking about like a part where his son was um, playing for the international side, I think, and he had a bit of a bad performance, and he was just like, you know what? I'm not going back to Korea unless you come and train with me. As he said to his son, <laughs> it's not about what you're doing at Spurs or what you're doing. Yeah. He said, I'm going back home yeah. unless yeah. you come and train with me. He yeah. said for the whole summer, three times a day, son had to train. And then when they came back, they didn't even recognise him. Like That's what the guy is militant, man. Like, check it out. Um, in fact, I think, um, is, is there anything else we've left off today? I think we've touched everything. Uh, just score prediction for Anfield. Uh, not Anfield, Liverpool, really. That's it. Liverpool, I think, um, I think we've got a high scoring game on our hands. Uh, I'm going to go for more than four goals, but I don't know who's going to win, though. More than four? More than right. four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if, if we play 3-4-3, three, three, I think we can, I think, we, I think we'll do them 2-1 if we play 3-4-3. Three, I think at home, buoyed off how we've played last last week and hopefully we rest most of our first teamers on Monday. I'm going to two one at home. Two one at home to Spurs. Yeah. I think well, last last time I had more than four goals we beat we did United <laughs> like six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spurs fans, how what do you think of our chances? Boy, this looks like it's going to be five games in a row now that they haven't scored. They've yeah, won. I know, man. I'm, I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a nil-nil. Yeah, I think, okay. I think, I think Mourinho will sit back like he did against City, like he did against Liverpool away, and I think it could just be a stalemate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be high scoring because obviously Liverpool ain't scoring. So I'm a Liverpool fan, by the way, guys. So, oh, I'm, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, they just need to stop the rock, bro. That's what they need to do. Listen, stop the exactly, rock, man. exactly. Need a, need to score. Just it's a monkey on the back at the moment. I think I think one 0 Liverpool. All right, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Interestingly, that, we actually haven't beat them the last six times we played them. Five losses in the league. And the Champions League. That's six, man. Chill, 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 chill. So we need, we need to stop the rot. We need to stop the rot. Yeah, Trust yeah, me. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, it's, it's been a um, great show. I don't know, um, guys, you want to say your socials? Where can people follow you if they want to keep up with... Um... Yeah, I'm on Twitter. The name's at the bottom, at Hogan Ephraim. Um, so, yeah, I'm on there all the time. Yeah, and I'm 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 on Twitter as well. Uh, Marcus, just Marcus Bean. There you go. And yeah, you can catch us uh, Spurs underscore uh, Touchline mm-hmm. on Twitter as well. So, all right, guys. Until next episode. Take care. On debut, on Dombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, Sports Social Podcast Network.